I'm Claire Sands, one of the co-hosts of the Silent Why podcast. Welcome to this week's My Why, the audio version of my weekly blog on thesilentwhy.com. Living in the good old days. As age sneaked up on me and whisked me into my 40s last year, I found myself identifying more and more with statements I would have previously attributed to what I call old people. Even the two words old people have taken on a new meaning to me. What used to be a phrase for old folk as a collective thing for anyone that I deemed way ahead of me in years has now become a descriptive term for people who have been around a long time and basically just got old. It's not very flattering when you think about it that way, but at the same time, it's kind of endearing in my world. Old people. I remember a story my auntie Owen shared with me about 15 years ago, when she was a mere 88 years old. She'd been to Curry's to buy a new fridge or something, and the young chap on the till had sorted out the delivery details for her. There was apparently a box for description of customer, for when they delivered the item, and unbeknown to him, as he typed in carefully chosen words, my auntie Owen was watching over his shoulder and proceeded to read them out in disbelief aloud. Very old lady? He blushed. She frowned, and I'm sure he was careful in future. We roared with laughter as she told us this story, which she found very amusing, as she was, and still is, at 103, always younger than her years. You've got to chuckle at the nerve of someone who writes the word very in front of old when describing a lady. Anyway, the statements I found myself uttering, largely to children, are things like this. Haven't you grown? You'll be taller than me soon. Not difficult. I remember when I held you as a baby. Even though I try to mean this one as a warm way of connecting with the child, I realise I'm just the old person making a statement that the child couldn't care less about, like when someone said it to me. When I was young... Yes, these words leave my lips far more than I'd like, but the comparisons between my youth and the youth of today are already stark. No, go and play, the adults are talking. Obviously I don't get to say this, but I find that when I'm with parents that do, I realise it doesn't feel that long ago that I was told these words, and I was desperate to share in the adult talking. It's only now I realise that when the child goes away and we resume talking about how to knit something, who gets what waxed nowadays and how to bake the perfect cheesecake and what so-and-so said on some local scandal, I realise I wasn't really missing out on much as a child. The other shocking thing is how young teachers look. I'm pretty sure when I was at school all my teachers were in their 50s at least, but I won't go into that disillusion here. However, the statement I'm struggling to come to terms with the most in my own life is more of a concept than one I actually say out loud, and it's this. The good old days. I find myself more and more unable to appreciate life now as a better option than what I experienced growing up, and I end up longing for the experiences I had as a child for the children of the current generation. I can hear my grandparents reflecting the same thing about their childhood back to me. Thing is, as children, we have no appreciation for such reminiscing. We live in the here and now. Our reality is not theirs, and we don't want it to be. I had no desire to get an orange for Christmas and a handful of nuts. I wanted pens and fun toys I'd seen on TV. I didn't want to just sit and read books and play board games, although I did love those. I wanted to be allowed to stay up long enough to watch Friends or Coronation Street. I didn't want to experience an outdoor toilet in the middle of the night. I had a bathroom indoors to use. I didn't want to amuse myself outdoors when there was a new computer and new levels to achieve indoors. And when I say new, I mean new to the world, not just our house. I didn't see the point in reusing a tea bag because that's the habit they got into during the war. I didn't understand only heating one room, so it was freezing when you left it. Yet now, as I reflect on my childhood, and I compare it to life now for children, I find myself wanting to point out what I had and did, in comparison to what they have. As I pondered on this more, and I tried to work out what it was that made me feel this way, 
I realised it's not so much because you want the next generation to have appreciation for it, although that is an important part of life that should be told through the generations, but it's because with each generation of change, you can see the good that is lost. I'm increasingly realising the pain of this through not having children of my own. I'm becoming aware that one of the things I would have loved to do most was pass down all the good I learned, all the wisdom I acquired, not only from my childhood, but from the experiences passed down from my grandparents and with my grandparents. As an observant person, I realise I have stored a lot in me over the years that was kept to be shared with our children. And there's no real other outlet for it. It's not stuff for Chris, my husband. It's not for other people's children. It was for my flesh and blood. It would have formed how I parented, the values I'd have given our children and the legacy others left behind. When I think of all this stopping at just me, it makes me sad. It feels wasted, and I feel I've let people and their memories down in some way. Even as I say this, I can hear voices around me saying, Oh, you haven't let them down. Don't be silly, they don't mind about that. You could pass it on to other children, etc. They're well-meaning words, but I've let them shape a lot of my emotions and processing over the years, and it hasn't helped me deal with it. It just pushes it all to the side. And I'm learning that feelings are valid, whatever they are. They occur for a reason. And these voices minimise the importance of having your own children and simplify the reality to a concept that doesn't exist. At a young age, I was interested in what my parents and grandparents shared with me because they were my parents and grandparents. I don't actually remember many memories and stories shared by their friends or my aunts and uncles about their families. Once again, I find myself in a situation that can't be fixed. It can't be instantly healed, forgotten or ignored. It can only be endured, processed, pondered and worked through. For me, the good old days involved playing outdoors with friends in a make-believe world of mummies and daddies, shopkeepers, pharmacies, creatures crawling around under blankets exclaiming gobbledygook, the pickup family know what I mean about that, plastic guns and foam bombs, bit controversial now perhaps, bike and scooter riding, hedgehog hunting at night, dog walking on the common, basic computer games with simple instructions, board games and jigsaws with my grandparents, reading poems, listening to grandpa play the organ, the tea trolley that grandma filled with goodies, and celery, sitting by the fire in their house with no TV, looking round grandpa's garden, oh how I wish I could speak to him about gardening now, looking for fish in the concrete pond at my other grandparents' house and running around their huge garden, learning card games and doing word searches and crosswords, searching through the encyclopedia for homework answers and ringing uncles for help when the answers weren't there, and letters, oh how I miss letters. I remember things occasionally that I'd forgotten, like the fact we used to have two post deliveries, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and the shops were all shut on Sundays, and no one had mobile phones so you just had to assume guests would arrive at some point. I was privileged with simple, innocent pleasures within boundaries that kept me feeling safe, in a way children nowadays don't get to enjoy in their busy, interactive world. Some children now seem to have worlds as busy, stressful and entertainment-filled as adults, and I wonder how they'll learn to switch off when they have no memories or skills of it from childhood. I'm ever grateful for being taught the ability to sit still and wait, and reach a state of mind that is so valuable and yet now so disregarded. The state of being bored. I've actually heard the loss of boredom being referred to as detrimental in our society today. Maybe there's a podcast in that. So the good old days, to me, look better, healthier, simpler. Just as my grandparents thought about their childhood, which incidentally was actually during a war. So that leads me to conclude that the children around now would also look back one day and say the same about theirs. Or does there ever come a point when a generation recognises they didn't have it easy, they don't look back with fondness, and they change the narrative for their children going forwards? So much change has come about in the last hundred years, it's hard to know where the chips will fall on this. My auntie Owen was born in 1919. In the span of her lifetime, we've gone from no electricity in houses to electric cars which regularly now sneak up on me in car parks. We've gone from outdoor or shared toilets to toilet rolls with no cardboard tube. 
I'm still not sure about this piece of progress. I'm fairly sure guests think I've removed the middle bit for some sort of strange reason. We've gone from telegrams to emails. When she was born, the idea and image of a car was new. The next generation now will look at flying driverless cars as a when, not if. So much change. For good and for bad. So maybe it's not comparable across these generations, when one experienced the rationing of food during the war and the other is allowed complete choice of any food they want to eat from the first year of their life. But is it getting better? Is it progress? If we all lived like my grandparents, or my auntie Owen, or many older folk I knew, here's what I know. Our energy bills would be lower, and the country would use way less overall. Food waste wouldn't be needed because they never threw anything away. Food supplies would be less because they grew their own food. The supermarkets wouldn't be full of needlessly endless choices because their diet was simple and healthy. The NHS wouldn't be under so much pressure because they didn't excessively drink, smoke or get overweight. Their work ethic was strong, their commitment to what they were involved in was unwavering, wildlife would be thriving because they appreciated nature in their gardens, recycling wouldn't be a thing, they rarely bought stuff that needed it, landfill would be quieter, they tried to fix everything themselves rather than throw it away, work stopped when you left the office, communication was meaningful and personal. Now there is obviously a flip side to every coin, and with progress brings a lot of great advances in medicine, technology, engineering, transport, communication. Life without washing machines, ovens, kettles and hairdryers does not look fun. The energy resources were not renewable, etc. But they didn't have the tech to work with that anyway. So I'm not disputing all the good. But what I am questioning is, what if we're throwing out the good with the progress, rather than harmonising them together? In a world where there's too much information, even areas like parenting, which used to be taught by the generation that went before, and still is in many countries, has now become a stressful world of too many options, suggestions and websites from everybody else, whether or not they were good at parenting, or whether or not the children turned out in the way that you'd like yours to turn out. Parents are drowning in advice, and throwing aside the experience of those that went before, preferring a new craze the world has recently built through just one generation of learning. No wonder so many children and parents now fall out over parenting styles, the knock-on effect of that being a subject I have to hear talked about a lot in conversation. With the invention of electricity came the possibility of light 24 hours a day, which also brought the possibility of work 24 hours a day. George Bernard Shaw said, Progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Which is all well and good, but as we know from the quote that I put on social media this week, with all change comes loss. I'm currently reading Michael Chabon's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And the opening line of chapter 7 struck me recently. One of the sturdiest precepts of the study of human delusion is that every golden age is either past or in the offing. Now I'd never heard of the word offing, apparently it means the more distant part of the sea in view. So it's um, on the horizon let's say. So how often do we live as if the best times are either behind us or ahead of us? And where did we get that from? Tom Clancy said, the good old days are now. Humans seem to have it inbuilt that they focus on the bad things. The negative comments, not the compliments. The things we've lost, not gained. The things we can't afford, not what we can. What you don't like about a person, stopping you from seeing what you love. It's just how we are, sadly. In the last season of The Office, the US version, Andy Bernard says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. The only way I can see to get around this is to assume you're in them right now. We often make the assumption better days are ahead, because we focus on the negative of now. But what if we assume worse days are ahead? Yes, that does sound very defeatist, but wouldn't that mean we were in better days now? 
Doesn't the optimism of better days ahead actually trick us into thinking that what we're in now is worse? So we fail to enjoy the times we're living in. Look at the people around you. Friends, family, colleagues, acquaintances. That stranger over there right now. What if you knew they wouldn't be here next year? That's the perspective a lot of people seem to get when they go through a bereavement. They talk about a new appreciation for the day, for life, for those around them. Why is that? Because they've been introduced to the idea that awful things can happen, they do happen, and they might happen again. So they appreciate the now. Right now, it's sunny outside the window. Yep, today England looks glorious. So we have a choice. Enjoy it, or moan about the fact it probably won't last. Well, because we rarely see weather like this, most people will be desperately trying to enjoy it and make the most of it. Why? Because we know there are worse days ahead when winter arrives. The assumption of darker times forces us to enjoy it. Make the most of it. Appreciate it. So my suggestion to live in the good old days now? Assume there's worse to come. And I can hear all those annoying fake optimists. Because there are two kinds of optimist. The sort that really do see life half full, and already appreciate the day they live in. And the annoying fake ones that just want to tell you to be half full because it makes them feel better. I can hear the fake sort saying, That's depressing. No, come on, I'm sure there are better days ahead. Well, if there are better days ahead, then that means today isn't as good. And I don't want to live in a day that isn't so good. I want to live every day as if it's my last. I've always wanted that. Never achieved it, but that's another story. I want to kiss my husband goodbye in a way I'll always remember if I don't see him again. Again, I said I want to, not that I always do. I want to enjoy the small things. Dance whenever I hear music. Throw aside work for something that's come up that I love. Spend time with people that make me laugh and feel like I'm valuable on this planet. Read books that inspire and only watch TV and films that take me to new places and new emotions. Live a childless life with no guilt, sadness or awkwardness around others. Not apologise for who I am and what I'm going through. Never let myself feel left out or less in any way. Let dreams and enjoyment fuel me and not money. Wear the special clothes, burn the expensive candles, enjoy food. All a bit of a dream, I know, but the only way to live that life, as far as I can see, is to assume today is all I have and make the best of it. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, One of the illusions is that the present hour is not the critical decisive hour. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day of the year. A song whose lyric always empowered me when I first heard it was I Hope You Dance by Tia Sillers. She wrote it after breaking up with somebody and escaping to the coast to dry her tears. Her mum would phone multiple times a day and say, I hope he's miserable, I hope he never finds anyone else, and all these bad things. After a long walk and a lot of thinking she didn't really matter and should just give up her dream of being a songwriter, she felt small and insignificant. Then on returning home, she was invited last minute to a writing retreat because someone had dropped out. She climbed her first huge mountain and it was terrifying. And this song was the culmination of those experiences, the opposite of the bad, I hope, that her mum had wished for her ex. And they're my hope for me, and for you. In living in the good days now, I hope it involves a lot of dancing for you, whatever that looks like. And that these words are something that you hold on to, to enjoy today. I hope you never lose your sense of wonder. You get your fill to eat, but always keep that hunger. May you never take one single breath for granted. God forbid love ever leave you empty-handed. I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. I hope you dance. I hope you dance.